0: We'd like to welcome you back to our current event and weekly Bible study for September 26, 2010. And uh, we're going into part four. Now, I had to download all of the teachings because I was already at three and a half hours in my on, on the high-level recording. I, I try to do the best quality I can. Uh, it only permits me to record four hours. So, uh, I'm going to try to get all this done. I'm only a little more than halfway through as far as the pages go. of this I'm on page 16 of a 29-page study. But every week, I've just been falling further and further behind. And I'm going to try to go ahead and get this done tonight. It's probably going to take me about five studies to do it. I'm thinking this latter half should go a little bit quicker. Um, so we're kind of burning the midnight oil. It's just coming about 1 a.m. We're almost at 1 a.m. right now. But um, I want to try to get this going and get this all put up tomorrow. And then I'll be caught back up. And, you know, praise the Lord. There's just so much information to try to keep up with anymore. Okay, so let's go ahead. The next article is entitled, Globalist Plan to Dismantle the Middle Class with the UN Tax. The call for the globalist transaction tax arrives in the aftermath of a leaked UN blueprint outline how Elitists plan to rebrand global warming in an effort to dismantle the middle class by instituting a global redistribution of wealth via carbon taxes. The aim is to limit and redirect the aspirations for a better life of the rising middle classes around the world. Um, in other words, to reduce the standard of living for the middle class in the Western in Europe, in America. and Europe and America. remember what I just that, that quote we just read from Marie Strong. How all these things like air conditioning and indoor plumbing, that has to be done away with. We need to be brought back to the serfdom, savage type of, of evidently, mentality that we that they want us to be put into. And we need to uh, be good little slaves and, and not have any of these amenities. Those are amenities um, really only the elitists can have. So they're going to have an ultra-elite class and an ultra-slave class. And the middle class has to go. And again, this is further confirmation of that very quote. And that quote was, I think, from 1992. Uh, also, people that are, you know, in that position, uh, their options are limited. You know, I'm not saying through the Lord your options are limited, but you know, um, it does take away quite a bit of your options. And uh, this is why we really need to seek the Lord. Um, to hide us from the secret counsel of the wicked and from the insurrection of the workers of iniquity, as the Bible talks about in Psalm 64. So, let's go further. Uh, Let's see. However, as was uncovered during the Copenhagen Summit, the program of global redistribution of wealth and transaction taxes largely centers around the looting of the wealth of the middle class In richer countries, and then using that money to bankroll the construction of the world government. See, understand, most of the money, a large percentage of the money that you pay, particularly in IRS taxes, and they've admitted this, they did a Reagan commission, the Grace Commission, and there's a quote from the Grace Commission that said, not one nickel of what you pay the IRS goes to running this country. Not one nickel. It goes to the bankers. It goes to the IMF that essentially, the International Monetary Fund, that essentially owns the Federal Reserve, the private reserve, um, the private bank which which essentially issues currency in this country that's backed by literally nothing. They just print out the bills and there's nothing backing it. And basically the IRS taxes that you end up paying goes to paying off the interest on that debt. So your, your money that you pay the IRS is going nothing more than to build world government. Bear that in mind. Bear that. And they're the, isn't that funny? They're the same ones that control and literally can create or destroy a 501c3 church, which 99.9% of all churches in America, and I'm not talking about home churches, but regular churches, would fall underneath that classification. Isn't that ironic that we have that same three-letter institution doing that? So understand that one of the main goals of Obama, particularly now in, in his regime, and it was for Bush and all those behind him, but it's become so much more aggressive, is taking your wealth, your money, your taxes, and using that, very same money and wealth to create the coming one world government. Uh, that's, that's reality. Okay, So let's go further here. As the leaked Danish text revealed, the money generated from consumption taxes will go directly to the World Bank. Sounds like the IRS too. Not to developing countries to lower carbon emissions or alleviate poverty. They don't care about these people. They want to kill them off. They view us as useless eaters. Anybody that's not going to get with the program, or at bare minimum, the only thing you're going to be good for is a slave. Uh, You're you're not going to be good for anything else. If you're not willing to go along with with the program, they're going to just kill you off. Or, I mean, not saying the Lord can't protect you. I'm just saying that would be their goal for you. Under the terms of this proposal, poor countries will not simply be handled be handed the loan, the money pillaged from the rich, richer nations. Instead, they will be forced to accept, quote, green loans. This is what they always do to third world countries. There's that book that was written, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. Now that guy is, uh, he, the guy that wrote it, Perkins, he's very much, uh, I do not agree with his religious stance. He's, he's uh, uh, I forget exactly what he is, but he, he's very, very uh, not Christian. Okay, but he—it's confessions of a guy that used to go into these third world countries, and, and it was the whole story of how the the multinational corporations in, in in richer countries would would basically get them in debt in order to enslave the country. Okay, um, these poor countries would be forced to accept green loans. In the name of combating climate change, a policy that would land the already financially devastated third world country in even more debt, payable to the globalist institutions such as the IMF. Remember we just mentioned them, the International Monetary Fund? Well, you know, the love of money is the root of all evil. It's one of the main ways Satan has to control things. Now, let's go, now that we're on the subject, let's give you some Bible verses. Let's pay close attention to what God says about debt. We will start in Deuteronomy 28, verse 15. But it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe, to do all the commandments and statutes which I have commanded thee this day. This was given to the um, the Jews in the Levitical priesthood. Okay, this was this was given to them. It says... If you don't do these commandments and statutes which I give unto thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Now notice what God says is a curse in this portion of scripture. Here's the first one. The sojourner, meaning of stranger, that is in the midst of thee, shall mount up above thee higher and higher, and thou shalt come down lower and lower. Well... Isn't that the way it's seeming? Doesn't it seem like this globalist elite is mounting up higher and higher and higher over, I mean, humanity in general, but over many people that would profess to be born again Bible-believing Christians? And thou shalt come down lower and lower and lower. Now, I'm not making a mass condemnation of of the Christian remnant. I'm just saying, isn't that kind of the way it seems in regard to the bondage that America is caught in in general? Now, the next verse... Listen to what he says. He, meaning the sojourner, the stranger, he shall lend to thee, and thou shall not lend to him. You're not going to lend to him. He's going to lend to you. And he shall be the head, and thou shall be the tail. It's right out of the Bible. So in other words, when somebody lends to you, what what is God telling you? Now, he's saying this is a curse. He says that in uh, verse 15. This is a curse. He, meaning the stranger, the sojourner, shall lend to you, and thou shalt not lend to him. He shall be the head, and thou shalt be the tail. Wow, so what is that saying? When you are lent money from a stranger, or from a sojourner, and, and this is not implying a fellow believer, he shall become your head, and thou shalt become the tail. And it's a curse. Now, let's pull the mask off borrowing and debt. It is clearly stated by God as a curse. Haven't we all been hit by that serpent? This is an excerpt from an article I have on this subject. Let's go a bit further as we begin to pay attention to what God says about this. Proverbs 22.7 The rich ruleth over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. Well, isn't that confirmation of the last verse we just said? The borrower is servant to the lender. The rich ruleth over the poor. Isn't that what we just talked about in those other verses? And the borrower is servant to the lender. Do you think God wants us borrowing money when it's essentially, particularly from an unsaved person or an unsaved institution, Okay. when it says the borrower is servant to the lender? Do you think God wants you to be servant to an unsaved person? Now, I'm not sitting here in condemnation of anyone. Um, I've paid off all my debt, save one, and i got a $50,000 school loan hanging over my head that I would love to get rid of. And in a lot of ways, I'm hypocritical even preaching on the subject. But I have been able, praise the Lord, to get rid of all the other ones. Uh, But it is. I mean, I've been paying on this thing for years and years and years, and the principal never goes down. Because they front load it with interest for literally years, and then by the time you actually start paying the principal, it's, you know, sometimes... I don't know how many years later. And they do it on purpose. You end up paying at least triple uh, or double of of what you end up owing. Typically triple on a mortgage, depending on what interest rate you got. But it's a scam. It's wrong. It's unjust weights and measures which God says he abhors. Okay, And he classifies this as a curse. It says the sojourner that, that, that lends you money, he says he shall lend to thee, this is part of the curse, thou shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, thou shall be the heel. The borrower is servant to the lender. doesn't sound like a blessing to me. Romans 13.8 says, O no man anything, but to love one another, for he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. Deuteronomy 15.6 says, For the Lord thy God blesseth thee as he promised thee, and thou shall lend to many nations, but thou shalt not borrow. It's one thing to lend to nations, let's say unsaved, but we're not supposed to borrow. Period. It's very clear. I mean, from these verses, and thou shalt reign over many nations, but they shall not reign over thee. Why? Because God knows when your servant, when a bar, the borrower's servant to the lender, he will be your head, and thou shall be the tail. Whenever you're borrowing money, that's the classification you fall into from a biblical standpoint. Whereas, if you lend to many nations, you shall actually reign over many nations, and they shall not reign over you. That's how important the monetary system is to God, that we stay right with that monetary system. Well, how many people in in America are Christians, I mean, they live off credit cards. I don't, vi- I don't advocate credit cards at all unless you're paying off the balance every single month. And even then, I'm not wild about them because you're literally borrowing money every month. And most of the time, you just borrow money, you run up to the max, and you're paying off the interest payments. And some people do better, but you know, in today's day and age, you know, there's no Bible for it at all. You're borrowing money, and you're paying exorbitant interest rates on top of it, which is called usury in the Bible. And you could do a whole study on usury as well. Uh, but I'm just talking about borrowing and lending right now. And it's a very clear thing here. We are not, What's a mortgage? Mortgage. Mort stands for death. Gage stands for contract. It's a death contract. It's not biblical. There's no justification for a mortgage. There's no justification for willfully going into debt. Financing cars, same thing. you know. And now I understand a lot of people are caught in this system. I was there in a much bigger way until slowly but surely... I mean, don't expect the Lord just to get you out of this overnight either. Because he hasn't gotten me out of it overnight. You reap what you sow. I deserve what I'm getting in regard to the one debt that I do have left. And it is a thorn in my side, but I deserve it. I mean, I'm the one that got myself there. And it was from school... Uh, you know, the the chiropractic college I went to. And at the time, I wasn't a born-again Christian. I didn't know any better. and um, But it's a thorn in my side. It really is. And because I've walked away from my private practice and, and devoted myself full-time to this, you know, I just haven't had the monetary opportunity. To, well, but I'm reaping what I sow. I deserve what I'm getting. And the thing is, so that's why I'm saying this. I'm not coming over here making this blanket condemnation of everyone else, I'm in the same boat you are. But I'm telling you, once you find out the truth, you're responsible for it. To whom much is given, much is required, and you should be actively seeking to get out of debt in every way, shape, and form you can because it is unbiblical, and because God clearly states when you're in debt, it's like being under a curse. It's not the way it should be. It's never been the way it should be. It's bondage is what it is. It's pure bondage. So, how many of us would read these verses and really never gave it much thought as we finance our car, home remodel, buy new appliances, vacations, or whatever else our soul lusted for, and we did it on credit? Okay, now that's from the article, and I give you the, the source to the article there. Anyway, I told you, th- this teaching is going to step on a lot of toes, a lot of people are going to be mad at me about certain things that I'm saying, but I'm, I am—I really believe I'm backing it up with the Word of God so, am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? I, I mean, I'm not, that's not my goal, but I do love you enough to tell you the truth. And I'm speaking as much to myself as I am to you. So, let's go further. Even if you accept the global institutions who have proven to be completely corrupt, time and time again, should be empowered to steal from the rich and give to the poor. These proposals don't do that. This is all about bankrolling the expansion of world government and creating a giant slush fund that will be used to coerce smaller countries into allowing themselves to be ruled and regulated by a global bureaucracy funded by increasingly destitute taxpayers in the West. See, they're winning both ways. They're funding their global government and they're destroying the middle class, the middle classes of, of really worldwide. It's a, it's a win-win situation for them. And these are things we should, I believe we need to pray about and pray against because they're pure, pure wickedness. Ultimately, yes, we're going to have a one world government. Ultimately, we're going to have a one world religion, economic system, political system. Um, but I do believe we're supposed to fight evil. Uh, clearly mandated to fight evil. And I don't mean going out and blowing people's heads off. I'm saying praying, fasting, educating others, however God would have you open the door, you know, to wake people up regarding this. Um, because most people either don't have a clue, don't care, or a combination of both. And if they don't care, then, you know, it's hard to hard to really get through. Um, honestly, we've been up here in, in North Carolina, and the people up here, I don't mean every single person, um, but a lot of the people up here, what my daughters noticed is that they're incredibly laid back, And they're pleasant to be around, Um, but the water evidently is big-time fluoridated up here. And I don't believe where we were at it was fluoridated, or if it was, they had just started it. And the people down in southwest Florida we were at had a little more fire. No, they had a lot more fire. Not to say they weren't apathetic, but the people up here, they don't seem to get mad about hardly anything. In general, I love. I mean, I actually like the people better up here. It is more of a Christian environment by far. I like that environment, but they're very like, yeah, it's okay. We're on fourteen meds, and I got to get my gallbladder removed, and, and yeah, we're we're doing this, and I mean, it's just a real weird um, situation in that regard. And 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 they're pleasant, um, but that fluoride really, really does a number. On the lower brain lobes, which is basically your will to resist, and they're trying, and they did the same thing to the to the uh, concentration camps victims in Nazi Germany. They gave them, they fluoridated the water big time. It made them very docile, and it made them very laid back and docile. And hey, whatever, man, because you know we're just going to go along with it. That is a big tool. All these things they're polluting the environment. Fluoride being one of the main ones that works in the brain. And then the other myriad of chemicals they're introducing. We're going to talk a little bit more about that later. I have no idea how many parts this is going to go tonight. But um, I want to catch back up. And I owe it to you to catch back up. So uh, the one thing about it is you're going to have a gigantic study to listen to this week. So I apologize about that. Um, let's go further here. Uh, we warned that the globalists were embarking on a financial On a global financial transaction tax back in December when Lord Moncton obtained the final draft proposals for the Copenhagen summit. And because I I really believe, because of prayers and because the Copenhagen summit was exposed, that ultimately it was a pretty big failure. You know, and um, remember that was right after Obama got the Nobel Peace Prize, he was going to come on the Copenhagen scene and straighten everything out. Really didn't happen. Okay? And um, I'm not going to give the. truth movement the credit. I'm going to give the Lord Jesus Christ the credit that he gave us a little more time to prepare our house, to prepare, um, you know, to get right with the Lord, and, you know, to prepare for what's coming. As Moncton revealed at the time, the end game is to, quote, tax the American economy to the extent of 2% of the GDP, uh, gross gross Domestic product, I believe that stands for. To impose a further tax of 2% on every financial transaction as well. And to close down effectively the economies of the West. Transfer your jobs to third world countries. As if they haven't already done that enough in this country. They want to totally decimate and wipe out the middle class. Okay, so This isn't going to get any better. Okay, And all this stuff about Obama saying, oh, everything's, you know, we're in an up- economic upturn and all this other stuff. It's all lies from the pit of hell. So it's just it's double speak. It's it's the exact opposite of the way it really is. But that's what liars do. Okay, let's go further. The tax which was vehemently supported by President Obama in Copenhagen will cost American families already laboring under the greatest financial collapse for generations at least 3,000 years, $3,000 a year, and that's just for starters. Okay? There can no longer be any denial that a world government is preparing to plunder the West by enforcing a myriad of different global consumption taxes, from financial levies to carbon tax, which will do absolutely nothing to address the real environmental issues which they created, uh, as far as pollution that stuff goes, and will be used solely to expand the power of the World Bank, the IMF, and the United Nations. <laughs> this is what we've been talking about. It's all coming to pass. And this is, their, this is their agenda. Massive resistance must be forced around rejecting the institution of global taxes, paid to the United Nations, and the formation of a global currency. Otherwise, the last tattered shreds of American sovereignty will be flushed down the toilet for good. So, that was a pretty accurate article there. And um, I do try to send out some proactive things to my email list. And in, in this last thing, with this Harry Reid tried, it was overturned, at least for a time. With this whole Dream Act and all the stuff we reported on last week, with the um, homosexuals uh, that that don't ask, don't tell thing being repealed, Lady Gaga was—I oh, forgot to say—Lady Gaga was basically with Harry Reid. I mentioned that before, trying to get that thing pushed through, and then the uh, forced abortions in military or, or abortions paid for um, by the government in the military hospitals, and then the other thing about the Dream Act and the illegal aliens. So for a time, that's been averted. Um, but again, ultimately, you know, ultimately we know how things are actually going to end up turning out with the world government. Uh, but I still think that, 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 you know, we need to fight this and, um, educate as many people as we can, um, because the night cometh when no man can work. And, uh, let's go further. The U.S. House, next article, U.S. House puts Oceans Coast under the U.N. Senate vote will seal the deal. This is something very serious here as well. Uh, it's too late. This is a quote from um, U.S. Representative John Boer's office. He says, it's too late. It'll just have to be stopped in the Senate. Tom, the young male answering the phone for U.S. Representative John Boer, Republican of Ohio, in his uh, Washington, D.C. office, said, this is what he said about the H.R. 3534 CLEAR Act, which is a globalist bill designed to give away our land, oceans, and adjacent land, masses, and Great Lakes to an international body. This makes us pay $9 million per year until 2040. So again, just more ways to plunder and pilfer, particularly the middle class. <clears throat> H.R. 3534 is a thinly disguised permanent roadblock to American energy which drives American companies out of the Gulf, delays future drilling, increases dependency on foreign oil, implements climate change legislation and youth education programs, but most importantly, it mandates membership in the Law of the Sea Treaty, which requires a two-thirds vote to ratify it in the U.S. Senate. Man, I've been hearing about this Law of the Sea Treaty for years, how wicked it is. But it requires a two-thirds vote to ratify it in the Senate. The House passed it, the CLEAR Act, H.R. five. Did you hear about this? I, I hadn't even heard about it. It's just, they're doing so much evil Wicked stuff under the radar now. It's hard to keep up with it all, but the House did pass the Clear Act H three five three four, July thirtieth two thousand ten. The bill was originally introduced July eighth two thousand nine, but was resurrected by the deep, recent Deepwater Horizon oil spill crisis. See, they always use these controlled crises to bring about controlled change. They always have their draconian solutions, you know, close by. And you you knew they were going to try to pull something like this. According to www.govtrack.us, a debate may be taking place on the companion bill in the Senate rather than on this particular bill. No official Senate bill number exists as of yet. Some have said the bill would be a long shot to be approved in the Senate, or it will take a while to surface. Well, similar assessments were made about the health care bill. Past precedent reflects how a 2,200-page bill can be created, printed, members held hostage, and that same bill voted on within hours to facilitate a holiday recess, which is exactly what they did with the good old Obama health care bill that is beyond draconian and beyond Big Brother. This bill assesses a a conservation fee of $2 per barrel of oil and 20 cents per million BTUs of natural gas for all leases on federal onshore and offshore lands, which is in Section 802 of that bill. This will jettison America's energy prices for oil and gas through the roof. Truth is, H.R. 3534 could have been stopped in the House, and it wasn't. Why? Because 21 absent Republicans chose not to show up for this critical vote. I'm not going to cut the Republicans any slack, or the Democrats. They're all... Puppets on the same... They're just on different strings, is all they are. Okay, And um, all the stuff on Sean Hannity and Rush Limbaugh about we're going to change the nation. We may slow it down a little bit if these other Republicans get in office. It may not be as aggressive as it's been under Obama with a a, uh, dominated Democrat Senate in Congress and the devil himself in the White House. It may not be as aggressive okay, with Republicans if they get a majority, okay. But, ultimately it's not going to change. The same agenda is going to be pushed forward, and you have to understand that. These people are all wicked and corrupt at that level. I just, you know, anymore I just, I'm totally convinced of it. You do not get to that level and and get there because you're God-fearing, God-loving, Bible-believing Christian. It doesn't happen. So, These 21 wonderful Republicans chose not to show up for this critical vote. How does that happen? Isn't that their job, to show up and vote for things? They chose not to show up. I bet you they were paid off well. Well, you know, you sell your soul to the devil, you know, you got to pay your dues. And their dues, evidently, in this particular instance, was they chose up not to show up for this critical vote. While another representative just voted present. That was U.S. Representative Gary Miller. This legislation was so egregious, more than even a handful of Democrats voted nay, which makes the Republicans' absence in the House chamber for the vote even more questionable. Be reminded that 193 plus 17 absent votes would have killed the bill. So these votes, these people, these Republicans that stayed out, if they were there and they would have voted against it, it would have killed the bill. No, they were paid off handsomely, I'm sure. Uh, then the uh, the CLEAR Act gives away ownership of America's oceans to the United Nations and sectors of America into nine geographic areas. The bill possesses a cap-and-trade climate change component as well. America will be forced to become a member of the UN Law of the Sea treaty, treaty, a.k.a. it's called Lost Law of the Sea Treaty, circumventing the normal two-thirds U.S. Senate vote necessary for ratification of any treaty. So, again, something to pray about, keep an eye on. If I see anything more, I'll, I'll put that out. Now, I'm going to go over some, uh, we mentioned the Gulf Horizon oil spill, and this was the reason that they were able to ram that through, or partly a reason. We're going to talk about a few more of the Gulf updates right now. First article is entitled, "Reeducation." Noah tells 8th graders to eat the seafood. Um, they say oil floats, see we've tested it, uh, these are disjointed, Okay, let me just read this. Uh, this is from September 24th. Gary A, a science support coordinator with NOAA, demonstrated the basic science behind the oil spill and its cleanup for HOMA, Louisiana Middle School students. Students using an aquarium filled with water as the Gulf of Mexico and cooking oil mix the Hershey's cocoa powder to represent BP's spilled oil. But Ott assured them the seafood was safe and set out to explain why. Ott said the presentation was aimed at dispelling fears and rumors about the BP oil spill. This is like Satan himself putting on a presentation. Other presentations at local schools are planned as well. He says, quote, because of fear, the wonderful people here have a lot of anxieties about the oil spill. So if So if I think that oil floats on water through science, I should do an experiment to see exactly what happens. As students watch the oil globs rocket up to the top of the water and stay there in a slick. Oil floats, he said. We've tested it, see? And then they interview this kid, the student there. And here was his response. Sam Williams says, Now I don't have to be afraid to eat seafood, end of quote. I mean, this is the state we're in. Then it goes on to say the principal of Oak Lawn Elementary School said students are hearing about the oil spill from their families and and are part of the worry. So these families are just stupid idiots that that are trying to caution their kids about this. Now, here's the deal, you devil, Gary Ott, who did this. Here's the deal. Yeah, the oil would have floated if you wouldn't have been spraying disperses on right even from the oil head leak five thousand. Feet down itself and then spraying it on top of the oil that did get to the surface at night because then what it did is obviously sank the oil, distributed it into microfine particles so there's no way we'll possibly ever really clean it up. It's, it can't happen. And they did it and they did it all by design and they did it to hide it and they did it to create this gigantic ecological disaster that is only getting worse by the day. The seafood is totally tainted. I wouldn't ever, I wouldn't eat any of that stuff. It's, and, and they won't test it either now. I know somebody that's um, down there as a respiratory therapist in the area that I used to live. And uh, I heard, she told me yesterday um, that essentially she went to the beach just to try to look at a sundown. And she was having so many problems within like 15 or 20 minutes, she had to go. I mean, with respiratory problems and these other things, she told me that as a respiratory therapist, she's seen stuff come in there they've never, ever, ever seen before, and then it's getting worse and worse and worse. And they're seeing all kind of weird rashes and all kind of um, you know cyanosis of of the bluing, uh, which is this blue flu that I described in times past. But you know, no, it's not reported on the news. Everything's great. You know, we just want to let the sheeple people die a slow, painful, agonizing death. And uh, that's pretty much what's going on down there. Uh, now, I give you the link to this story. I'm going to read some other titles because I just, again, we don't have time to get into them all. First title, Dispersons Hearing. Now, you can click on any one of these in the PDF, and you can explore this further, and it will be available um, with, with this teaching. Uh, first article, Dispersons Hearing. Noah admits the Gulf seafood is not tested for dispersants, says toxins may bioaccumulate. So Noah's admitting they're not testing for dispersants at all, the correct, which is the worst thing about this whole scenario. you know. And it causes you know, rupturing of organs and blood vessels and red blood cells and causes cancer and all kinds of horrific things. But we're not going to test for it. No, we don't need to do that. Why would we need to do that? Next article, commercial fishing east of the Mississippi River, could open this week. Oh, good. They can get that nice tainted seafood and bring it to market. Officials disregard visible oil sheen. Um, Next article. EPA employee says many of the health effects that we are hearing here occurring is that there was internal hemorrhaging and bleeding from orifices. End of quote. And most of these have either videos or some type of text with them. Next article. Caution. Restaurants serve... Serving Corexit-tainted seafood. CNN reports no Gulf seafood tested for oil dispersants. There's another article. They're not testing for the dispersants. Next article. All nine Florida shrimp samples show 28 to 31 parts per million of PAHs, which is about 30 times more than the samples from from other from the Gulf, uh, and uh, I guess from normal. Uh, FDA officials say they're not concerned, quote, they're not concerned. Next article, uh, I guess Dead Zone. Latest EPA tests show heavy metal in Lake Bourgogne near New Orleans at highest level of concern. Elevated potential for mortality. And there's lab results to go with that one. Next article, all kinds of seabirds paralyzed and dead near Sarasota, Florida, a few miles from where the 173 part per million oil found in the sand. Next article: Seven-year-old covered in blood. Mother with rashes over her entire body. Tests found elevated hexane, xylene, octane from nearby gas well. Um, next article: Explicit, well-known fishermen threatened. Oh, explicit, well-known fisherman threatened with arrest. Um, okay, and then so that they're threatening, they're threatening a lot of people as well. Next article, fishermen finding dead fish of species they have never seen before. Why would that happen? Well, it's quite simple. This is going on thousands of feet underwater, right? Well, a lot of times when animals die, their dead carcasses will float to the surface. Well, you're killing animals that are probably 5,000 feet, 4,000, 6,000, who knows how many feet down, because the oil is spread on the bottom. You're going to have dead animals... That are floating up to the surface that they've never seen before. Okay, so anyway, just wanted to mention that. Uh, next article. Snorkeler encounters submerged oil just offshore. Proof that the oil is buried near the coast. Remember, the oil for the most part is sunk and it's going to gravitate and move around. Doesn't necessarily mean it's going to come on shore all the time, though. Next article. State says the Corexit 9527 ingredient 2 butohexanol should be handled as a carcinogen with extreme caution. No safe level exposure, says scientists. But it's okay, they're just spraying it all over everybody at night. You know That's okay to do, though. I mean, it, it, the insanity just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Just absolutely insane behavior. Next article. Okay, those are, that's it with the Gulf updates. Next article. Antibiotics are now on the verge of becoming virtually useless. A journal, the Journal of Lancet's, Lancet Infectious Diseases, recently published a sobering piece about how antibiotics are becoming wholly ineffective as treatments for infection. According to the report, even most of the most powerful antibiotics available are largely inadequate at tackling emerging emerging forms of the new and super powerful superbacteria. Antibiotic overuse has become a pandemic problem. They are used in animal feed to make animals grow more quickly. No, they're not really used to make animals grow more quickly. They're given to animals because they they cram these animals in such tight confines and feed them such a nutrient-poor diet that their immune systems are shot. So they give them to them so that if one gets sick, it doesn't kill all the rest because their own immune systems are devastated. That's why they give them to animals. Okay, um, now, as a downstream benefit, I guess it would make them grow more quickly because if they don't get sick, then they can grow quickly. I don't know. And then let's go further. And they are handed out like candy by many doctors to people with almost any ailment. They are simply not working anymore to fight infection. Why? Because these bugs that they've thrown all these antibiotics at have mutated. It's survival of the fittest, and now we have all these super strains thanks to all the abuse of antibiotics over the years. Uh, published by Professor Tim Walsh and his colleagues, the paper explains how a new gene called NDM1 is changing the way infectious bacteria survive. This NDM1 gene passes among bacteria like E. coli and Klebsiella pneumoniae and makes them resistant to antibiotics. Even carbapenems, which are the most powerful antibiotics available, are no match for the new bacteria. This is potentially the end. Okay, this is, a, this is coming from this professor, Tim Walsh, who's an expert in this field. He says, quote, this is potentially the end. There are no antibiotics in the pipeline that have activity against NDM1 bacteria. We have a bleak window of maybe 10 years where we are going to have to use the antibiotics we have to use very wisely, but also grapple with the reality that we have nothing to treat these infections with. <laughs> this is what they're admitting to. This is explained... Uh, by Walsh in a recent piece from The Guardian. Okay, now this next article is also another bolster of this last article. Drug-resistant superbugs hit 35 states, spread worldwide. This was the follow-up article that I found a few days later. Steve Steinberg of USA Today, this is reporting, bacteria that are able to survive every modern antibiotic are cropping up in many U.S. hospitals and are spreading outside the USA, public health officials say. The bugs reported by hospitals in more than 35 states typically strike the critically ill and are fatal in 30 to 60 percent of the cases. Wow, that's a really high mortality rate. Israeli doctors are battling an outbreak in, a Tel Aviv, um, in Tel Aviv that has been traced to a patient from northern New Jersey, says Neil Fishman, director of infectious con- Infection and Control in in Epidemiology at the University of Pennsylvania and a president of the Society of Healthcare Epidemiologists. The bacteria are equipped with a gene that enables them to produce an enzyme that disables antibiotics. The enzyme is called Klebicella pneumoniae carbapenemase, carbapenemase, or KPC. It disables the carbapenium antibiotics, which are the last-ditch efforts for infections that don't respond to other drugs. Okay, now, in light of that, I felt like I should post, repost the material on the mild silver protein and read you some quotes about mild silver protein, which has literally been used for over 100 years in regard to the worst strains of anything that you could throw at it. From the March 1978 issue of Science Digest, we read, our mightiest germ fighter, and they report, quote, an antibiotic kills perhaps half a dozen different disease organisms but silver kills some 650 strains. Resistant strains fail to develop. Now that's the key. Resistant strains fail to develop. So in other words, it doesn't matter if these antibiotics, it wouldn't matter to to, uh, colloidal silver if a strain mutated or whatever, Resistant strains fail to develop when it comes to silver because of the way silver works and because of the way silver essentially um, kills the bacteria. So it's a whole—it's like comparing apples and oranges. Comparing uh, colloidal silver and antibiotics—they're they're two totally different things. Okay, uh, UCLA Medical Center says, "quote Colloidal silver killed every virus that was tested in the lab." This is from them, not from me. Uh, the the best product I have found for this is the Invive Mild Silver Protein. And I believe God led me to this product. And I'll just give you a brief excerpt. I haven't said anything on this in, in a while, probably since last flu season. But for the new listeners, essentially, I was at a conference back in... Man, it was probably seven or eight years ago. And it was a Christian conference I was speaking at. And... Um, I talked a little bit about the silver product I was using. I had gotten some okay results with it. It was a 20 ppm or part per million um, colloidal silver that I'd been using. And it was good for a few different things. It seemed to be work okay with yeast and some other stuff. Well, on the break, on the first break, I had a guy come up to me. And I, know, I can't remember if it was the vet, veterinarian or the MD. I think it was the MD. And he told me, he says... I respect what you're saying. He says, but there's another product you really may want to look into. And it was this in five miles of protein. And, uh, he says, I've seen all kinds of miracles with my patients and things of that nature. So I said, okay, um, I'll take that into, you know, take that and, and we'll see what happens. So then at the next break, I had a veterinarian. Now these guys did not come together. They didn't ride together and they weren't trying to sell me anything. It wasn't like they're trying to sell me this product. They just were telling me about it. They had nothing to gain by telling me this, in other words. Second break, I had a veterinarian come up to me. The veterinarian said, okay, um, yeah, I uh, respect what you're saying and everything, but he said, I have used this product in my office, and I have piped it down horses' throats, I've done all this and that, and I've seen literal miracles with a lot of the animals that I've used it with um, regarding anything of a viral, fungal, or bacterial nature. It's amazing. And it was the Invive Mild Silver Protein. And I'm like, wow, that's weird. This is the second person that's approached me in the same seminar, and they're both essentially MDs. Then I had another guy come up to me, I believe at the last break, and he was just a normal guy, and he told me about the same product. And um, they were all different people, and the last guy was just a normal guy telling me about mild, the invive Mild Silver Protein and how it had helped him. Well, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, a thing is established so I wasn't in any position where I was going to you know, not um, look into it. The thing that got me into alternative health care was a poorly functioning immune system, and I said, I need to look into this. And I did, and as I did the research, I realized that there was an incredible amount of disinformation out there regarding the subject of colloidal silver. 99% of what's sold in the open market is not colloidal silver, but it's ionic silver, and it's ionic because it is made electrically. And ionic silver typically has a very um, short shelf life. It is very unstable. And the majority of what is converted in the body, the, the, the majority of ionic silver when you take it into the body, is converted to silver chloride. It's usually converted within five to seven seconds. Whether it hits the bloodstream and the chlorides hit it, it converts into silver chloride there, or if you put it in the stomach, let's say you swallow, electrically made silver, whether you make it with a generator or whether you, you buy it electrically made, it essentially converts from the chlorides in the stomach, the hydrochloric acid, into silver chloride. Silver chloride in the body is virtually useless. okay? But it does have a, um, a half-life there, five to seven seconds, and you will get some benefit, but you typically have to take a ton of it to get benefit, and these are the people that if you've ever seen, um, I've seen a few, no, I've only seen two actually, so one lady in Topeka, Kansas, she was a pastor's wife, she came up to me, and she was morbidly gray, and she says, I am so-and-so, and I drink 16 ounces a day, and I make it myself, and she was gray, morbidly. And it wasn't killing her, it wasn't like it was turning her gray and killing her, but it does cause cause argyria in cases where you're drinking copious amounts of the ionic silver. And it doesn't kill you, but it does build up in the soft tissues, and it can turn you gray. There's never been a reported case of argyria from the mild silver protein. Another guy uh, down in Ocala, he's got a, not as bad, but he's got a gray powder, and he was consuming quite a bit of it as well. Um, and then they'll always parade around the gray man or the silver man. That one guy that like drinks tons of it every day. And he's, I mean, he's totally gray. And that's what they'll parade around as their poster child to say, "Don't ever take silver. It's garbage. It's been used from antiquity in a lot of different ways, transporting water in silver vessels, the kings used to do. it. Uh, you've heard of born with a silver spoon in their mouth, and um, these types of things." that was the elite would actually have real silverware, and they found that they had a much greater resistance to plagues because they were using real silver as the silverware because you were getting some residual um, things there. Uh, I do have a friend of mine who owns a uh, gold mine up here in North Carolina. He's a born-again Christian, and what he'll do when, every, when people are sick He swears by the 5-mile silver protein. He's seen it do some absolute miracles. But what he does as a maintenance is he will actually take a silver dime, which would be like a 1964 silver dime, and he puts it in the back of his uh, mouth, like in the back of his teeth, and he'll just sit there and he'll just have that in his mouth all day. And he says, I don't get sick if I do that. So there is other alternatives. Uh, But I'm talking about typically if you're going to use mild silver protein – particularly the higher strengths, you're going to be using it, unless you're doing like, you know, a 10 or 15 drop a day maintenance dosage, typically you're going to use it for like, if you're really fighting off something or some infection and these types of things. Maintenance dosage is good as well, um, which will generally keep you out of that position, but um, there's some, you know, there's some other things that you can do. Um, I give you all the information here about the silver. You can explore it for yourself. I do have my website. It's Doctor. Uh, www.doctor-johnson.com, or you can come up here and click on it. Um, right now, the, the current expiration date—actually, it's not really an expiration date—is 2024 on the bottles, uh, on, on the, written on the bottom of the containers that they come in. 2024. Okay, it has a massive shelf life. They've got silver from um, 1993 that's still perfectly good. Okay, so you can do the math. It's about 17 years there. So I don't, I don't think you have to worry about shelf life, whereas the other colloidal silvers, the one I was using that I talked about the seminar, I didn't. I stopped using it. So those bottles sat on my shelf, and I looked at them, and I don't even think it was a year later, and all the silver had fallen to the bottom of the bottle. And if ever, ever that happens the silver has totally went bad. So if you ever see that, don't shake it up and try to drink it, okay? This doesn't happen with the Envive silver Protein. Um, it has an incredibly long shelf life. The guy that actually developed the way to stabilize it was an MD. His name was Dr. Cordo, and the owner of InVive believes that he was assassinated because of him developing this stabilization process that nobody up until this point has been able to reproduce. Nobody has a silver that will last this long. You'll see other companies pop up sometimes a little bit at a time and they'll say we have 5,000 part per million silver. They're usually out of business real quick because they cannot figure out a way to stable it, stabilize it and their silver goes bad real quick. So again, um, just wanted to give you a little low down there. I've got a link here entitled the truth about mild silver protein and um, the rebuttal of promoters' misinformation. Another one, actual scientific mild silver protein. Medical studies, uh, a comment by me. Invibe mild silver protein is made under pharmaceutical GMP, good manufacturing practices with double checkoff lists. The silver that is used is the finest available and is the same silver used in the 30th edition of the 12th volume of British Encyclopedia of Medical Practice, Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons. The compounds used to make the silver are identical. Uh, to the silver compounds used in burn wards across America. As a result, they can achieve uniform particle size between 0.005 and 0.01 microns, which is something that most companies have a very hard time doing. In other words, their particle sizes are all over the board. Okay? Well, you want to you try to achieve uh, uniform particle size. Um, today's modern bi- antibiotics, and this is probably conservative, kill over 100,000 Americans per year and cause horrendous liver and kidney damage, failure, and death, whereas the pre-1938 mild silver protein formulation has never caused one death. Okay, now again, I said pre-1938. I do have a presentation on here that explains the silver. and, And in a nutshell, prior to the Food and Drug Administration of 1938, prior to that takeover, you could go to most doctors... And they would actually prescribe you silver to treat an infection. They would either compound the mouse over protein in their office or they would send you to a pharmacy and they would do it. I talked to an old timer that confirmed this as well. Um, The problem was it was very expensive and it had a very low shelf life. In other words, it had like a one to two week shelf life. You had to consume it. Why? Because they hadn't found a way to stabilize it at that point. But with the modern day advent of antibiotics and the fact that the silver was actually curing things it fell out of favor with the medical establishment because they really don't have any desire to get into something or use something that will cure something they want to perpetuate disease antibiotics perpetuate disease they go in what does antibiotic stand for anti means against Biotic is life. It's against life. It kills all your healthy flora in your intestinal tract, which is a main part of your immune system. Actually, the majority of your immune system, I think it's like 60 or 70%, is in the intestinal tract. kills all that flora. And basically what ends up happening is, is once that flora is dead, it allows candida to come in and overpopulate the intestinal tract, and then that gets into the bloodstream. And here you have a problem where you, you're loaded then with candida or yeast, Literally, systemically, in the bloodstream, in the intestinal tract, Um, a big part of your immune system has been literally kind of like destroyed, and so then it opens you back up to reinfection. That's why people that get on antibiotics have to keep taking them over and over and over again, because it just perpetuates the problem ultimately, which is the goal of the medical establishment, because they're trying to perpetuate all their diseases, because that is called reoccurring revenue. They're going to make money on you over and over and over again. That's how the pharmaceutical industry works. Um, I give you a link to my free presentation online Avian Flu, Population Control, H5N1, and Biological Warfare. Uh, you can watch that online. And um, also, I give you my current special that's not available off my website that i 'm going to give that to you the next thing we 're going to talk about is the d3 vitamin D3 and I have a special on the mild silver protein and I list it with the d3 information so if you want to know more about that you know um, you can email me or it would probably be much easier for you just to go up to the PDF for nine twenty six ten and look at that everything's laid out for you um, and um, you can you, if you're interested in that you can you can pursue that. Uh let's see next article uh, new research reveals that vitamin D is 800% more effective at holding influenza symptoms than vaccines, <laughs> imagine that and that's if you believe vaccines work at all the research on D versus vaccines was published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition and it's a fascinating read, now I'll give you the link to it I'm not going to get into that, I've talked a lot about vitamin D before you can explore that if you like uh, next article, amazing information regarding D3 and the silver special purchase offer. Uh, this is just a whole thing on D3. I've put out before. I give you some YouTube links. And these are MDs talking about it. And it will help your immune system. I can verify that. It's, it's a really good one-two punch with the silver. Um, if you were doing some d3 every day and you can get your d3 levels checked to see if you're low uh, the D the D test and I listed it in here is the 25 hydro ex vitamin D or 25 OHd test and is a metabolite that should be measured in the blood to determine vitamin D status so you can get this test you, if you have a doctor he can order it for you and it's saying here that uh, recommended adequate intakes of D are, are inadequate and In absence of exposure to sunlight, because you can make D in your skin, which is one of the best ways to do it, Um, but you have to be exposed to sunlight in order to do that. If if you're not exposed to any sunlight, a minimum of 1,000 international units of D is required to maintain a healthy concentration of DOHD in the blood, which is this metabolite that you can actually get checked, which is pretty cool. You can actually get it checked. You can't do that with silver, but you can do it with with D three. Now, silver is a, is essentially a trace mineral. It's actually called a noble metal, and uh, uh, it's like a trace mineral, like anything else. You know, it's a trace mineral, not a macro mineral like calcium or, a, or magnesium or those potassium. They're trace minerals, like manganese, and it falls under that classification. This is something you can actually get checked, and. Um, Determine your D. Now, if you're really super low, you're going to want to take more of the D3 off the bat in order to get your levels high. If you have an empty gas tank, you want to get the gas tank filled, and then it just takes a little bit to keep the gas tank topped off. That's you know how I pursue um, nutrition, which is clinical nutrition, which is one of, one of my absolute specialties, and I've been doing it quite a long time. Uh, let's go further here. Uh, I recommend the D3. I recommend is from Innate Response Formulas. They actually found a way to create their D three one hundred percent from whole foods. I don't know any other company that can do this, that has done this. Every other D you're going to go out there and buy in a health food store is going to be created synthetically in a laboratory, and it's not natural. Okay, I'm not saying you want to never get any benefit but it's not natural. This is a, what they call a food state D3, and it is the real deal. And it's the only one I recommend because it is totally natural. So um, the, what I found, though, is that the highest dose available off the internet was 400 international units, which is their kid's tablet, actually. Um, and in the studies that they cite above, which, which I give you the links to, higher doses are needed, particularly if your gas tank's on empty. In order to keep it, you know, get it filled up, you'd need to take more of it. So they actually do make a thousand and a two thousand unit D3 tablets, and I list um, my the prices and in this particular thing for the um, for the larger ones. They make a D3 mini tablet, four hundred international unit, a D3 two thousand, and a D3 one thousand. I list all the prices there, and you can get that if you like from me as well. Uh, I think if you're going to get the 1,000 or 2,000, you're probably going to have to get it through some type of physician, and that's why you can't find those higher doses on the internet. And so I wanted to offer that, and I, offer, I, I wrapped that into the au- current offer I'm having on the 5,000 part per million silver now as well, which is you won't find a better price anywhere on the internet on the silver. Plus, I offer free shipping um, on the silver or whenever you order anything in combination with the silver. So um, it is a good deal. And, uh, I wanted to mention, I haven't mentioned that in months and months and months and months, but it is something that I do believe the Lord's shown me. And, um, another thing that, that can be considered in this scenario is a good food state vitamin C. And I have that as well. And, um, the same company makes it. And they're the only ones I know of. Every time you're going to go into a health food store, almost every time. Now, there are some companies coming out there that are, that are finally catching on, but, they make an actual food state vitamin C, meaning a vitamin C derived from a food. Now, I, I did see one other company recently say they have a food-derived vitamin C, and I think it's great. Okay, um, it's, it's very important because it's the way God put it here in its natural state. In a nutshell, I'm just going to explain this real quick. The FDA determined a long time ago what they said vitamin C was is ascorbic acid. That is total garbage. Ascorbic acid is the outer rim, the antioxidant portion of the vitamin C molecule. There's a lot of different things that the vitamin C molecule comprises of. Tyranase. There's things called P factors, K factors, and J factors. There's different things that um, um, organic copper, there's different things in the vitamin C molecule, the way God put it, let's for say, for instance, in an orange what man in his infinite wisdom has done, and they do this with every synthetic vitamin, D, A, C, you name it. He came along and said, oh no, no, ascorbic acid is vitamin C. I'll make this synthetic ascorbic acid and label it as vitamin C, and we'll deceive the masses. Ascorbic acid is not vitamin C. And I do not advise you take ascorbic acid at all. It's a synthetic, it's nothing more, it's really... It's not too far from being a drug in some ways because it is a synthetically derived molecule, um, which is the same thing they do with drugs. For instance, aspirin, acetylsalicylic acid, which is what aspirin is. What was that derived from originally? The white willow bark plant, which had salicylic acid in it, Okay, which they found as a pain reliever. Man is an infinite wisdom. Takes it, isolates it, and says, oh no, we're just going to take it out of its natural environment. We're not going to give white willow bark. We're going to give salicylic acid. We're going to isolate it. We're going to turn it into a drug. And then we can patent it and make a ton of money off it. And not only that, a bonus for us is it'll have side effects. And those side effects will create other side effects. And people have to take more drugs for those. Aspirin is the number one cause of macular degeneration. Um... It's uh, also causes internal bleeding, and, and which aspirin kills at least twenty thousand people per year just from the internal bleeding alone, and causes macular degeneration among other things. So again, it's just stick to the way God put it here. You know, that's the thing that that's I guess if the message I could give you, that's the message I would give you. Stick to the way God has put it here. There are some companies out there now that have figured that out, and they're making vitamins in a food state form, meaning that's actually literally derived from a food, and those are the ones I try to use. Um, I also have my disclaimer here, and I, then I had a guy email me, and he said, I'm treating a sinus infection, I've been taking 2,000 part per million silver for about a week, how long can I take the silver for, and will I get overdosed? Well, I already talked about the overdosing, kind of, now well, I'll, I'll mention that again, uh, and then he says, if I overdose, what would the side effects be? Uh, can I take one teaspoon daily for maintenance dose all time? Okay. His name's Leray. I said, Leray, no, you could literally take several tablespoons of the 5,000 ppm, part per million, in valve mild silver protein for months without having to worry about taking too much. There is really no such thing as overdosing on the silver as the body will eliminate it this is the mild silver protein. Now, this is not ionic silver, what I talked about before, that converts to silver chloride in the blood, and it builds up in the soft tissue, and it, high doses can turn you gray. Very rare, even with that. But it's it's different, totally different apples and oranges comparison here. Okay, The mild silver protein, the body will eliminate 99, 90% any excess via the feces, 10% via the urine. Just make sure you're drinking plenty of purified water, and the main thing with the sinus infection, here is the main, main, main thing. You have to understand, if you're taking mild silver protein or, or anything and you're, you're holding it under the tongue sublingually, which is what I recommend to do, you've got to hold it under there for two to three minutes at least. Why? You're letting the silver get directly into the bloodstream. Okay. Bear something in mind. Immediately, the silver is diluted by seven liters of blood, depending on your body type and if you're male or female. Seven liters of blood, it's diluted. Okay? Then it has to go all in your body, and it's going equally to all tissues of the body. If you're trying to treat something up in the sinuses, the best way to do it is to get, um, number one, dilute the silver to 500 parts per million, which you do that by adding 10 parts distilled water to the silver in a nasal atomizing spray bottle, like Afrin or whatever. Uh, one of those bottles, you get it. I get the cheapest one you can get at a drugstore. Preferably dump whatever is ever in there out. Put the 500 part per million mild silver protein and 5 mild silver protein solution into the sprayer. You could also put one drop of eucalyptus oil, I found. It gives it a nice smell, I guess, and the eucalyptus kind of opens up. Don't do any more than one drop, though, okay? Just one drop, shake it up, spray that into the sinus cavities as you're leaning back your head and inhaling. Like, you know, you're inhaling up into the nose like that. Spray several sprays up in there several times per day. You will knock the sinus infection out. I've never seen it not work, short order. okay. Uh, you don't want to use full strength 5,000 part per million because you're literally treating it topically. If you had a lung infection, you can do something similar where you get a nebulizer and you dilute the silver down to 100 part per million and you can actually put that into a nebulizer cup and actually inhale that via the, and you can treat sinus with that too, if you have one of those masks, you can inhale it through the mouth and through the nose, treating sinus and lung, and um, that's a great way to actually treat a lung infection. Okay, So these are just some things that, that you can do uh, that have worked in the past, and um, it, you, you really have to approach sinus infections that way, because if you're taking it totally by mouth, you, you're just diluting it, and a lot of times, sinus infections, if you can get it right up there in the sinus cavities, will knock it out quick. So anyway, I'm just previous in, uh, information and things I've seen work. Uh, then, he, then I say, if you want to take a maintenance dosage of the silver, this is another thing I get a lot of questions on, uh, by far, the most economical way to do this is with the 5,000 part per million. If you look at the strength, now I'm not the one that determines pricing and in but if you look at the strength, the strengths, uh, 5,000 parts per million of all the do- of all the strengths, including 10,000, you know, including 100 parts per million, 50, 1,100. By far, the most economical strength is 5,000 parts per million. 15, 10 to 15 drops per day of the 5,000 parts per million is a maintenance dosage, and unless you're dealing with a specific issue, would be sufficient for everyday use. There are Two thousand one hundred and twenty-nine drops per four-ounce bottle, and it only comes in one size, four-ounce bottles. No matter what size you, what strength you get. Um, So there's two thousand one hundred twenty-nine drops per four-ounce bottle, or a one hundred forty-two day supply if you take fifteen drops per day. Okay, so it's from that standpoint. If you did fifteen drops per day, it'd be one hundred forty-two dot one hundred forty-two day supply per bottle. If you did ten, it'd be even more. Okay. see the attachments for further information. I, I've got an attachment on the mild protein that goes over startup dosage guidelines. If you buy the Miles Over protein, whether you buy it off my website, or whether you buy it from me from the special I just listed, um, if you do that, I'll send you the attachment. But if you buy it off the website, remember, I'm out of the loop. Invive put that website up for me a long time ago when I went on that 14-city tour on Avion Flu. So, unless you contact me, I won't know to email you my attachment on the silver that goes over startup guidelines. And you do need to have this in order to really do it properly, okay? Not to say it's a safety issue, but in order to give... I, I go over some things like, you know, um, uh, things you can do, because if you're doing 5,000 peppermint, it doesn't taste good. You can get some peppermint oil, uh, organic peppermint oil, and just hit your tongue with it before you take it. Not, not a big deal, you know, after that, um... I go over a lot of the, the things that have come up, questions over the years in the attachment. So anyway, you can email me at D R J O H N S O N, Dr. Johnson at the letter I, the letter X dot netcom, N E T C O M dot com, N-E-T-C-O-M.com, and I'll email that to you. Okay, now uh let's see here. Uh let's go further. Okay, uh just looked at the material I have left. I've got about four more pages. So I'm going to go ahead and end this part, part four. And we're going to go to part five and we'll finish this out. God bless.